the adapting is constant. <laughs> you know, I think there was always this thought of we would get over the hump and we would slide into a new normal and, you know, we'd, we'd be able to kind of hit our stride again. But what worked last month may not work this month. Welcome to For the Record, where we go on the record with today's leading influencers and experts to discuss the latest trends in legal innovation and the business of law. I'm your host, Erin Harrison, and today we're joined by Megan Frank, the Global Director of Marketing, the Software Solutions Division at LexisNexis. And Megan, welcome to For the Record. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Erin. Yeah, thanks so much for um, taking the time out of your busy schedule to, to join us today. I know from working with you and speaking with you over the past year, um, it's been obviously an interesting year in many respects. Um, but I think for today, we want to focus on the business of law, which is really where the software solutions uh, division really sits and helping practitioners to be more efficient, leveraging data-driven insights across your product portfolio. Uh, that includes the law firm CRM Solution Interaction, as well as CounselLink, the enterprise legal management software for legal departments. So before we actually get into questions, Megan, um, would be great, I think, if you could just tell us a little bit about your background and how you came to be in your, your current role with LexisNexis. Sure. My background is I am a marketer through and through, so that's kind of what I went to school with, uh, school for. That is, have been my entire career, and I have focused mostly on legal technology. So I've been at Thomson Reuters, uh, took a brief stint at Cisco Systems um, in security technology, and then moved over to LexisNexis Software Solutions. Uh, I have kind of expanded my role since I've been there and have been able to take on the entire portfolio and you know expand globally, which is really exciting and has allowed me to look beyond, you know, specific individual solutions and look more at the overall market and understand the challenges and pain points of, you know, practitioners and these these operational uh, leaders within these firms and legal departments and and speak to them and work with them on a different level. So I mentioned Interaction and CounselLink, um, which I think are two of the flagship products within the software solutions uh, portfolio. Are there any other products that you're that you're working on? Yeah, we have one other additional product called Juris, which is a financial management solution for small to mid-sized firms. It is the industry standard when it comes to accounting and financial management in law firms. And it's sort of one of our uh, mainstays and uh, one of our core products that has been with us for, from the beginning. Great. And I'm, I'm curious, we haven't obviously completely put the pandemic behind us. In fact, we're seeing spikes in different places uh, again. But what are some of the learnings from the last year, you know, specifically having to pivot from your your initial marketing plans for 2020? Um, you know, how are you able to adapt? And what really surprised you the most about getting through this past year? The biggest takeaway for me was the adapting is constant. <laughs> you know, I think there was always this thought of, we would get over the hump and we would slide into a new normal and, you know, we'd, we'd be able to kind of hit our stride again. But what worked last month may not work this month, um, especially as we saw the Zoom fatigue set in and the fatigue around webinar after to individuals. They are con 
continuously adapting to this new normal themselves. And so what is working for them is the one time when you work with them on an individual marketing level is not necessarily going to work for them the next day. Um, so what we really had to think about was planning differently. And what marketers had to think about was starting to plan for that flexibility and that agility uh, in advance so that you could pivot as needed. You were starting with an objective and focusing on what you were trying to achieve and kind of thinking of different activities and tactics that ladder up to that. So if one's not working, you can easily move to the next and you move them around like puzzle pieces. It was sort of constant change. And I think that that is what we're going to be living for a while as we come out of this pandemic and start moving in sort of the new direction forward. Because I don't think the same direction forward that we were doing before 2020 is the same one we're going to be doing after 2020. So I don't think the strategies have changed all that much, but you mentioned tactics and having to, you know, be able to be nimble. What are some of the tactics or the different things that you tried in the last year that you think worked pretty well? Uh, at the beginning, it was all about just building a new way to connect with your audience. It was a lot about webinars, a lot about figuring out that a way to deliver content in a new digital way, adapting and adopting digital strategies and tactics that we all knew were there, but we hadn't necessarily flexed our muscles on, on as much. Uh, from there, it really became about how to build in those more informal connections that you were missing in this virtual world. Uh, so we did things like uh, virtual wine tastings and small group coffee chats and office hours where people could have this more informal dialogue and it wasn't so structured presentation style content. And it was replacing some of that uh, networking time that you would see at individual events um, or on-site events that we were all missing uh, during the pandemic. And then it became a lot less about tactics and how we were doing things virtually. And it became more about what we were saying. How were we helping them move from the pandemic and how to kind of recover from what was a big shock to everyone's system to looking forward and building strategies and building on those foundations and being able to kind of lift themselves out of it. So uh, we've tried a lot of things and a lot of things have worked. And to be honest, some things haven't worked and it has to be okay that you're going to test and not all tests succeed. Yeah. I just want to segue or change over actually to talk a little bit about um, what you've seen in terms of uh, the way the ways that law firms have had to adapt. Um, so each year, for our listeners who are not familiar, Interaction does a business development marketing survey across uh, the MLA 200 as well as large global firms. And um, in the, the most recent survey, law firms said that cross-firm collaboration was one of big law's greatest challenges. Curious just to get your perspective on how this may have evolved amidst the pandemic, you know, could you go that go into that a little bit and speak to why this has traditionally been a, a difficult area for law firms and maybe how the past year has helped in some ways? Yeah, I think the the main thing around why this is challenging for law firms and why this has historically been a challenge is they are by nature a siloed organization. They're separated into different practice areas. The attorneys, you know, are often providing the service and also doing the business development. So they create these islands within law firms. And 
it's not surprising that that turns into challenges of collaboration across the firm, because if you're creating islands, there's very, there's not a lot of incentive to go beyond your island, but we are seeing it improve. And, you know, you mentioned the pandemic, everyone going remote kind of forced everyone to collaborate because once you really were on your own little island and you were kind of all by yourself, you realized that you need more help uh, and support than maybe you thought you did before. So we we have been seeing people reach out, especially depending more on marketing and business development. They are turning to their marketing and business development uh, colleagues more than ever before because they weren't really sure how to handle this new digital virtual world. And they knew that they had people at their disposal that could support them and champion them through what this change was going to be. You know, I think we're also seeing an approve because technology adoption is sort of enabling collaboration between different practice areas, between different teams, things like our interaction uh, CRM. You know, we're seeing firms roll that out globally across their entire firm to all the different practice areas with the, you know, intent strategy to develop a more holistic view of the client so that everyone has more access um, to that information and to that data. I think also just process improvement. We've really seen firms start to build connections between the overall firm goals, the individual um, opportunities and individual goals and practice area goals so that everyone's working towards the same objective. And when you connect the firm goals down to the individual, you align incentives and then you incentivize collaboration in a way that hadn't really been done uh, previously. Yeah. And it seems like, um, you know, law firms um, are in different stages of, you know, where they are uh, from a maturity perspective as it, as it relates to the approach that they take with business development and marketing. I know late last year, LexisNexis rolled out um, its business development maturity model, which measures the maturity of law firms across seven different dimensions. And that's really aimed at helping law firm leaders discover where their organizations lie along the spectrum of operational efficiency, as well as best practices. Um, Curious, what are some of the ways you're seeing law firms mature in terms of how they're leveraging data now? You know, how are law firms using data to assess customer interactions and client relationships? Yeah, there's a there's a couple ways that I'm seeing that happen. Um, you know, one is exactly what I mentioned before, which is building connections back to the overall firm goals and incentivizing that collaboration and ensuring that you're um, tracking against what you're achieving for the firm and not necessarily your own individual um, outcomes. And that has provided a way for firms to mature in overall business development. And then that creates a need to use data in a different and more mature way because you're continually reviewing uh, progress against those, those initiatives. The other thing that I'm starting to see with firms is less about looking at the end goal or the end state as a specific dashboard or a specific report. They're really focusing now on driving 
a data-driven culture and enabling an overall culture where data is informing every interaction, they're informing every decision with data versus focusing on that one report. Mm-hmm. For example, you know, surfacing insights about relationship strength or recent news uh within their workflow. So within Outlook, when an attorney is already going to respond to a prospect email or a potential client email, they can look, see that information and create more tailored and effective communications. And ultimately, then that data has strengthened that single interaction. And the more you do that over and over and over again, the more overall your um, client relationships are going to improve, your um, business development is going to improve because you're informing everything with data. And I think that's where we're going in in this data-driven world. It's it's less about how do I get that right report or how do I get that right dashboard? And it's more about how do I surface those insights that are going to make every little interaction more effective which then makes my overall firm more effective. That's really interesting. Are there any other examples, Megan, um, just in terms of types of data-driven insights, this holistic approach that you speak of that can help firms identify proactively some new growth opportunities? Yeah, and uh, I've had multiple conversations with uh, clients and prospects alike and people in marketing and, and attorneys, and we all sort of agree that data analysis is is part science and it's part art. And understanding how to balance that has been, you know, where we're seeing firms really excel in this area. And it starts with understanding what those drivers for your firm growth are, because Data isn't the answer. Data helps you find the answer. And you need to start with a question. And so a lot of times, you know, understanding what your market is going to do or allow you to pull the right data to drive your actions to take advantage of whatever those market trends might be. So, for example, knowing that corporations are going to consolidate the number of law firms that they use uh, to ensure that they get the most value out of each individual relationship. You know, law firms then have to analyze their client data, identify clients who might be ripe for that growth so that they can take on more work with that client. And they're going to have to identify, well, what tells me that they're ripe for growth? Well, I have a strong, may have a strong relationship with them, but I only do a couple types of work, but they have three other practice areas that maybe they would be, you know, a good candidate for. And we got to leverage our strong relationship to get that expansion to those three other practice areas. Um, You know, another example is just understanding opportunities and why they're won and why they're lost and see if there are certain trends that you can identify from that, that maybe there are practice areas that are growing that you never thought of before. And you need to focus on that and see if you can leverage that data with by taking targeted action for for growth opportunities. One example is I spoke with a client on a webinar and they had noticed that this commercial real estate business practice area that they hadn't really thought of, of taking off was going gangbusters during the pandemic. And they started doing more research and realized, oh yeah, there's a reason for that. It's because with all this online shopping, you know, things like Amazon are taking over malls. They need more warehouse space. They need more distribution center space. And so it's driving these commercial real estate transactions and understanding, you know, they saw an insight 
they understood the market trends and then they developed an entire program about how to market themselves to be the experts to grow that practice area. Um, I'm going to ask you to do a little prognosticating, which I know is a little bit tough in this climate, um, but with with the survey, I think in the field and going to be coming out later this spring, I'm just curious if there's anything in particular that you might expect to see from, from this year's survey. Yeah, it's a result of everything we've talked about, right, that partners and attorneys are turning to their marketing and business development colleagues in, in bigger droves because they need their expertise to navigate this, this change. So I'm expecting to see an increased dependency on marketing and business development and the responses being that they maybe have more of a seat at the table um, or that they are involved in more meetings and more conversations than ever before. I also expect to see more targeted efforts. Um, one of the biggest takeaways that we've had with everything around the pandemic, everything around this rise in data, is it's super important to be segmented. Uh, we saw last survey that that was a challenge for everybody. And this, I think the pandemic is going to force everybody to be targeted and segmented in new ways. So I'm expecting to see that that come out in the survey. And I think a shift in, uh, away, uh, uh, I think a shift in tactics is going to happen. Law firms are slow to change. <laughs> Legal is slow to change industries that they've really depended on traditional marketing for a long time. There was a slow uh, shift to digital before, but this is going to push it. And I think this is going to be the breaking point where we're going to see digital uh, and more lead gen and more nurture techniques and tactics really take center stage. So I'm excited to see the data. As you mentioned, it's in the field. And so this is a unprecedented, crazy year that we've had. And so I expect to see multiple nuggets and insights come out of it. Yeah, I think one of the more interesting points that came out of last year's survey, and this may or may not be a surprise to folks listening, but very few law firms, less than 10%, had been using analytics to track business opportunities over their life cycle. Um, do you expect that number to increase substantially? I, I really do. Um, I think a lot of this goes to process, the, the reason it was so low. Um, what we found in our research is that historically firms have had an annual develop business development planning process. They go through it at the beginning of the year. They create a deliverable. That's a document that everyone agrees to and aligns to, and then it gets put away. And what we've seen is that COVID has really forced firms to rethink that and take a more continuous and agile approach to their planning. And if you are doing that in the, in the way that you should be, data and analytics become key because you have to be tracking what's happening on an ongoing basis so that you can adjust if you need uh, to do that. And so I, I really do think as firms adopt this approach, which I think COVID is forcing their hand a bit, um, I expect to see an increase in analytics to track these opportunities, to track um, how they're achieving their objectives. So I do expect that number to increase. It'll be curious to see how much. And I know we've talked a lot about uh, the business of law and, and law firm trends in particular. Um, are there any trends happening in 2021 so far, whether in law firms or legal departments that you want to address before we, we wrap up our discussion here today? 
I think for the legal and professional services firms, you know, the main trend we're really seeing is that more holistic approach to business development and to planning where they're connecting everything back to firm objectives, um, down to specific initiatives, and then individual opportunities, and then consistently in reviewing and tracking progress against that. I think that has been the wave for a while. This has just accelerated it. For marketing in general, it's similar and it's and related, right? That's the agile approach that we talked about, planning that flexibility into your marketing plan so that you can test, learn, and adjust. I don't think that we're slowing down with the pace of change at all. And I think that we have to just learn to um, be okay with an agile environment. <laughs> yeah, I think we've all had to accept that one one way or another over the last year. Well, thanks, Megan, for speaking with me today. And thanks to our listeners for joining us for this episode of For the Record. You can listen to more episodes of For the Record wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts or go to platform.com forward slash for the record. Platform helps established leaders and emerging growth companies articulate how cutting edge technologies and services are reshaping and reinventing the world we live in. Until next time, this is Aaron Harrison.